Hey, Shakes Pals, what's up? It's Thursday, and I love you. Huge congratulations to Emily for winning last week's argument with Richard III's family unit being the best reality TV show to watch. I am so excited to be talking about fun aunt or uncle this week with Liza. And you know what? No more babbling from me. We're just going to jump right into it. Remember, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare Showdown podcast where a guest and I go head-to-head each week, and you get to decide who wins. Okay, so this week we are arguing which Shakespearean character do you want as your aunt or uncle? So who do you want at the Thanksgiving dinner to provide some entertainment, be an ear to... Uh, give advice and who you just want in your family, not necessarily your mom or dad. Uh, and with me, I have Liza Graham. She is an actor, singer, and Shakespearean text coach. And Liza, I'm so happy to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I really, you know, I'm really looking forward to this. Good. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born in Washington, D.C., and I came to Britain when I was uh, 16 or 17 to do uh, the A-level exams, which were the last two years of high school here. Um, and luckily, I was successful in getting into college here and then into postgrad, uh, which was in music. Um, and then I was an opera singer for a while. I still sing, uh, but I've also transitioned to being an actor as well and to being a text and voice coach to actors. Um, putting that English degree to work. Uh, <laughs> and while I was studying English, I had the happiness of working with Tony Nuttall, author of Shakespeare the Thinker, uh, which is a really fun book that I would recommend people to read. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you've had some really cool uh, different areas of experience that all kind of lend themselves to Shakespeare so nicely. <laughs> Well, yeah, like everything in life lends itself to Shakespeare if you try hard enough, right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I love that. That's how I get by. Um, okay, so Liza, who do you want as your fun aunt or fun uncle? You know, I gave this a lot of thought. Um, and the, the, the person I decided on is Pandarus from Troilus and Cressida. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, awesome. I love that so much. Um, and Liza, who do I think is, who do I want in my family? I think you get King Lear. <laughs> okay. Um, well, this is going to be a close one, folks. Uh, <laughs> Liza, go ahead and take it away. Tell us why Pandarus is going to be the best, best relative for you to have. Okay, well, Pandarus uh, is, is the... I mean, up front, I got to concede that Pandarus is a terrible person, right? Um, but, you know, he's, he's not your parent, so him being a terrible person is okay at the remove of being like an uncle. Um, he's also, uh, he's, he's well-connected in the city without the burdens of being royalty. Everyone already wants him at their dinner party, so as, as his niece or nephew, you're going to be very popular. Uh, you're going to get introduced to all the best people. He will enable all your worst habits, but he will get you laid. <laughs> so, um, you know, in a nutshell, that's that's my case for Pandarus. <laughs> that's a pretty good. 
it's a pretty good nutshell case for Pandarus. Um, may I offer, though, have you thought of Lear being the person that you want as your fun uncle? Because I think that uh, the same way you said, he's not your dad. I don't think anyone would argue that we wanted Lear as our dad. Hell um, no. <laughs> but you are, if he is your uncle, that means that you are royalty adjacent, which I think is the best way to be part of that royal hierarchy. If you are not, there's no uh, throne responsibility, but there's all, you get all the same perks uh, with maybe a little less media attention, a little less prying into your life. Uh, it's a great way to have the benefits of royalty without the drawbacks. So if Lear is your uncle, then you are that like side cousin who can do whatever they want and not get in trouble for it because those expectations aren't there. Um, plus, we know that Lear likes to party. Lear has got 100 knights that he takes with him, and we can uh, assume that that 100 knights is already cut down from what he would have at his castle anyway, so when he goes to live with his daughters, he takes only 100 of them. And we definitely see the um, chaos <laughs> that they, or if we can trust Regan and Goneril, uh, they are pretty chaotic. They're, it's like having 100 Sir Tobies in your train. And I don't know about you, Liza, but if I don't have to clean up after them, I would absolutely love to party with a hundred Sir Tobies. <laughs> yeah. So I think that I think that having him as again, and this is this is an uncle, this isn't someone who is telling you what to do. They're just there for um the party. I think that I think Lear would be a pretty great choice. He could regale you with stories. Uh he's got a lot of money he's got a lot of power if you have an ex that you want taken care of he can definitely do that <laughs> i think he's a good choice i think this was a kind gift from you it's it's true i mean the the great thing about lear is that he literally retires from being king in order to pursue the party lifestyle mm -hmm. and and he gets thrown out of his own daughter's castle for partying too hard <laughs> so um you know, it depends where in his in his personal journey you meet Lear, but uh, but but you know, fun is a, a thing he could be. And in Shakespeare generally, don't you find that we so infrequently meet characters at the point of having fun in their lives? Yes. We tend to meet them right when something not fun happens to them, like they fall in love, uh, someone dies, uh, you know. Th uh, or murdered you know, in responsibility in those moments, whereas Lear is like giving all of that up. Yeah, and what is left in life but fun? <laughs> um, but you know, I'm I'm still I'm still in the Pandarus corner here. I um, for for example, like Pandarus, I think is a little bit more open-minded than Lear. Uh, if if you turn out to, to, for example, not be cisgender, if you turn out to not be hetero, Pandarus is going to be 100% okay with that. Um, in fact, there's something very non-binary about Pandarus as a character. Like, he's, um, you know, he's, got, he's definitely, to me, got that vibe. Um, and I think one of the reasons why he's so popular is that there's no one else in Troy like him. He doesn't fit the box. And, and as non-royalty, he doesn't have to fit the box. Uh, so if you don't fit the box, he might be quite a good relative to have. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, Pandarus has always struck me as um, 
a little I I don't know where he is in this war. He's not an advisor. Uh, he like he's not on any councils. He's not actively fighting. He's in this middle space. And I think that to me, that's a lot of why he gets so involved in Troilus and Cressida and getting them together. And I I don't know if I want my uncle being that into my business. <laughs> I think that there's a level of like intrusion that he is so invested. He's I think that without Pandarus, Troilus and Cressida aren't as or at least Troilus aren't isn't as into Cressida as um he maybe would have been or maybe both of them would have been without Pandarus's involvement because he really does like stoke that flame and stoke that fire and get into their stuff <laughs> it's true it's true i mean we all do have that one friend with with no life who who try <laughs> who's like i really think you should get together with her or like tell me everything you're feeling about this guy uh, and and pandarus does have like a little bit that vibe true he, mm -hmm. he, he is up in your business and the one person that he actually is the uncle of cressida uh arguably does not necessarily do well by his influence. <laughs> yeah. um, but on the other hand, they have some of the best witty banter conversations in Shakespeare, certainly some of the best that take place uh, between genders and between generations. Um, yes. They very much talk as equals, um, which arguably is not his job because he should be being her guardian, <laughs> but, but, he would, but he would be a fun guardian to have. You're, I right. think, but I, I think you are right about where Troilus and Cressida's arc possibly goes possibly the relationship might build in a more organic way but then again romeo and juliet meet in an organic way and look what happens to them look what happens to them uh <laughs> yeah uh i think that looking at the um the scene in the beginning where pandarus and cressida are watching the parade of soldiers come home and it it is they are on the same footing and they are and, and cressida is free to play with him to mess with him she's you know, totally uh, dry and joking and, and just giving him a whole lot of crap. Uh, and then when he walks away, she's like, yeah, I do love, I do love Troilus, but I'm not going to let him know that. So that like level of, of relationship between them is very clearly comfortable and uh, safe, which I think is fun. Yeah, and the, the good thing about it is that having Pandarus uh, near her has meant she has grown up to see through bullshit. <laughs> Um, I do love that scene with the soldiers that you mentioned there. Um, it's sort of part sp sports spectator and also part ogling. I think they are both ogling. Mm -hmm. And he catches her ogling Helenus, um, you know, and he's, he keeps saying, you know, that's Helenus. No, that's Helenus. And then he has to say eventually, Helenus is a priest. He's a priest. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which, who knows, uh, maybe Helenus and, and Pandarus have already had a thing. Maybe. Um, I would like uh, to think that Pandarus has had a thing with everyone else in Greece. <laughs> or in Troy. Maybe Greece, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the thing about him is that he talks to everyone and everyone seems to want him in their house. I don't think he goes on the visit to the Greek camp. I think that's just the soldiers because Troilus is there without him. Right. Um, but he's probably throwing the he's probably throwing the only good party in Troy that night. Uh, sure. Lord knows who with. Uh. <laughs> well, and I think that I think 
getting back to that party atmosphere and who with, um, that's another kind of case in point for Lear is that we see the people that he surrounds himself with and we love them. He's got the fool who is, uh, as all fools are, um, smart and able to see, again, that like BS meter is very, very refined. Um, And so when you get to have that experience of partying with your uncle, but also someone is calling him out because you've got the fool calling him out uh, left, right, and center, that's fun entertainment for you as well and something that we don't necessarily get to see is our relatives called out by other people and that kind of back and forth witty banter that they're able to provide. At one point he he implies that he might whip the fool, but we never see him actually do it. Um, no, it's all all words, all big, uh, big lion roars with a little kitten underneath, I think is kind of Lear in a nutshell. I think I, I think you're right. I think, you know, as you say, he does have good people around him. There's evidence that he's not the greatest parent in the world. Mm-hmm. But then again, we don't know what the daughter's mother or mothers were like, yeah. um, you know, uh, and we. So, yeah, he's got the fool. He's got Kent who literally is willing to to give every everything in his life away. He's got Gloucester, uh, who, who is willing to undergo torture rather than say where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lear is capable of making people love him. We, yeah. That, we no, that's a really know. great point. When you look at the people that he has, uh, the relationships that he has cultivated that aren't his daughters, um, the loyalty that they have and... It's not just because he's king, because he's kind of given up all of those responsibilities and, and, and all of that power. So it's not because he's king that they're sticking around with him. It's because he, at some point, has done great things or kind things. We, like, we have to, to infer that he's been a great man somehow to deserve the respect and loyalty of Kent and Gloucester and the Fool and, and everyone who's around him. Yeah, I mean, you get hints throughout the play that Lear may have been a soldier king uh, and may not even have been home to, to raise his, his older daughters a, a good deal. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is all speculation, but it is fun to speculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Pandarus is not a soldier at all. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> he's 100% a civilian. Um, you know, the, the thing to... The thing that's tempting to say is lover, not a fighter, but he's not even a lover. Um, dude, he just loves co- love. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's all into, as you say, he's all into other people's business and other people's relationships. He'd make a great gossip columnist. But you don't see any evidence of, um, you know, you see possibly evidence of affection for Troilus. It's possible that he wants to get Cressida with Troilus as a proxy for himself being with Troilus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you certainly you, you certainly see lust at times, um, but um, you know he has I guess that freedom as a character of not being in love and not having his discourse dominated by oh my god how much in love I am. Um, it's very tempting to see him um, as a character. He very much originates uh, in in Chaucer's Troilus and Criseida. And both there and in the Shakespeare play, it's really tempting to see him as an author surrogate because he has the same problem the author does. How do I get these characters to do what I want them to do? Yeah. What an interesting perspective on that. I've never I've never kind of 
had that thought. And that's a really fascinating because he does. He is writing their story or he is trying to. It's like um, he ships them. Yeah. (laughs) He absolutely does. Yeah, that's a really fun uh, way to look at Pandarus. And I think that when you when you see that he's doing that with real people, um, you can take that either way. You might want that. You might want that kind of uh, enthusiasm in, and encouragement in your court. Or you might be like, hey, Pandarus, I want to write my own story. This is this is my life. Maybe hands off a little bit. But Well, huh. I think as, as you say about, about Cressida earlier, you know, we see that she sees what Pandarus is trying to do and she knows how to resist it. She knows how to just like... I do like this guy, but hey, let me do my own thing for a bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's really fun. Um, Liza, you said you had a couple other names that you had wanted to throw out there. Yeah, well, um, if I'd wanted to be really mean to you, I could have given you Shakespeare's least fun uncle. I could have given you the uncle that does not know what fun is, uh, who is Claudius. Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, Claudius knows how to... Uh, make things happen yes but they, yeah that would have been really <laughs> no no that would have been really i mean d- dude can't even watch a play without having an episode which uh which normally would trick would which normally would be a cause for empathy but the ptsd comes from murdering someone right 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 okay yeah i'm grateful for that thank you uh so i didn't stick you with claudius i also thought of i I also thought of Katharina from Shrew. Um, See, I think she would be an amazing aunt because she would be like, girl, you do you and you get what you want and you will not let anyone tear you down. Yeah. And I think she would need a fun a fun niece or nephew relationship to, um, you know, just to get her out of the Petruchio household from time to time. Yeah. And, uh, also, if Katharina was your aunt, you would have to be the child of Bianca and Lucentio, and you would need a fun aunt if you grew <laughs> oh up in God. that household. Oh, good point. Oh. And, and also, if you were Katharina and Petruchio's child, you would probably need to go to Bianca's for the occasional really boring weekend just to get out of the crazy for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really fun kind of like full family uh, tree to take a look at. Yeah, it, it tempts you to write a sequel to the play, doesn't it? Um, yeah, but I don't know if I want to spend that much time with those characters. Th- there is that. There is the whole misogyny thing, which is a yeah. real and large thing in that in that play, as in many. Mm-hmm. Um, the other people I thought of, of course, the two avuncular uh, people from Romeo and Juliet, uh, Friar Lawrence and the nurse. Uh, the friar unquestionably has the good drugs um, and is good at relating to younger people. And if you want to spontaneously get married, he's your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, do you really want a monk as your uncle? He is going to continuously be judging you. Um, yeah. And the nurse is a wonderful person, but she's always going to treat you like you're three years old. And that is right. really more fun grandma territory than fun aunt. <laughs> um, really, I think the best person if you had to really in real life choose a real uncle or aunt from Shakespeare I gave this a lot of thought I overthought this way too much I love that no that's great (laughs) and the answer I came up with is Justice Shallow from Henry the fourth part two because uh he is fun he has monologues that are legit fun um he has he's financially solvent so unlike Falstaff or Sir Toby he is not going to be continuously borrowing from you um, 
he he treats his servants well like mm-hmm. well enough that they can talk back to him and he just amiably goes oh whatever do it your way um and uh he's a justice of the peace which means if you get into trouble he can get you out of it probably uh, yeah no that's a good I, I see your point that it's not the fun argument to make but it is objectively a great solid argument <laughs> It's less fun to argue, but more, uh, yeah, I would want that guy as my uncle. Like, there are so many boxes that he ticks that would be beneficial. And, uh, yeah, okay, I see that for sure. Yeah, but, but you know, you can't say that Pandaros wouldn't be fun. Whether your life were better or not uh, for his influence is a whole other thing, but fun he would be. Yeah, well, listeners, we're going to let you decide. Who do you think that you would want as your fun uncle from Shakespeare, Pandarus from Troilus and Cressida, or Lear from King Him? Uh, you can vote at facebook.com slash p2mpod or on Twitter at p2mpod. Liza, thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for the invite. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, this was a great, this is a great thing to think about. I have a really fun aunt, so it's kind of a... Uh, fun way to look at like who you'd want in those in those spots in your family. So. Yeah, shout out to all the fun aunts and uncles in the yeah. world who were there when we needed them. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let people know where they can find you. Ah, I, I'm I'm Liza Mezzo uh, as one word, uh, Mezzo as in the voice, M E Z Z O on on Twitter and on Tumblr. Uh, you may you may find me. Uh, uh, I don't guarantee nonstop fun, but I do guarantee some. <laughs> I love that. Thank you again so much, and thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs> Serious business.